Welcome, WSJF listeners, to the locally produced show called SJCC Clergy Q&A, where we take questions about our Catholic faith from you, and we have our St. Joseph Catholic Community clergy answer them. The goal of this program is to provide answers to a few questions about our faith that might help to support your faith life in today's very challenging environment. So thanks for sitting in to listen. Here's the host of SJCC Clergy Q&A, Bob Bastris, and his guest today, Father John Wardle. Morning, Father. Good morning. Thanks for taking the time to be with us this morning again. We really enjoyed our last conversation, and we're looking forward to this one as well. My pleasure. Okay, Father John, our next question comes from Guadalupe. Father, I recently heard Father Simon on Relevant Radio state that use of sacramentals, such as scapulars and statues, can be a distraction in our faith lives. He said we must focus on the Word and sacraments and not on faith objects. In my culture, sacramentals are very important and revered. Can you please explain this further? Uh, Yes, well, on one hand, I can see what Father Simon is is saying. Um, It's easy to lose sight of the main thing, and I think that he was directing us to the main thing. As far as sacramentals, I like what C.S. Lewis said, okay? He said that that, that symbols and, sac- and sacramentals um, are like pointing your, your finger or your hand uh, to a, a piece of meat that's on the other side of the room for your dog to go for, okay? <laughs> but the dog doesn't see the thing that, that he really needs when it comes to eating, okay? He comes to the hand instead, and you go to the pointer, and you make the pointer the main thing when sacramentals are completely meant to, to, to follow where they're pointing, okay? And so if you get stuck on sacramentals um, and metals and, and things like that, there's always the chance it could become, I'm not, I won't go so far as idolatry, but we can become attached to them, and an, an attachment become unhealthy. Um, so I can see what Father Simon is saying. On the other hand, I, 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 the Catholic Church encourages these, and we just don't throw them away because they can become something detrimental in our in our spiritual walk. So it takes a whole lot of spiritual discernment and self-examination when it comes to these things. Uh, are they really functioning for us as a pointer to the real? Um, or are they becoming ends in themselves? So something like a scapular, which may have images on it that should point us to the Lord and to Jesus and, and maybe saints who have given their lives to Jesus. The important thing is to be focused on Jesus and the to the extent that a scapular can help you do that or a statue can help you do that. It's a right. positive thing. Yeah, it can be. And, you know, there's always the danger of, you know, see my scapular, you know. I'm, I'm really uh, spiritual. <laughs> or, or weigh, you know, wear a ton of medals around your neck or something. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, you know, it, that in itself could be, you know, a look-at-me type thing. And then you're taking attention off of Jesus and you're, 
you're putting it on yourself too. I mean, all these are dangers. Yeah. Okay. Our next question comes from Paul. Father, when I was a child, I was taught that we all have guardian angels that protect us and tell us right from wrong. I still find this concept to be helpful in my life. Is there any biblical justification for this belief? Does the church still teach about the existence of angels in our lives? Oh, yes. Um, if you look at scriptures, there's a surprisingly large uh, amount of material that speaks about angels. You know, um, you've got even three tiers of angels, those that are above and beyond on the very edges, uh, near transcendence, like the cherubim and the seraphim who worship God um, all the time. And, and then you've got another tier of angels like Gabriel who's sent for very specific things like the Blessed Mother, um, Raphael uh, is sent by God for, to a, for a specific purpose. But then there's also this idea that close to earth, close to us, there are angels that uh, that God sends to us to help us, and we don't see them because angels tend to be very shy creatures. <laughs> That's they're, they're pure, and by definition, um, purity is not is you know don't look at me like you know they don't like to come in and and make a big entrance saying here I am an angel. <laughs> okay, um, they're very humble, you know, and so. Uh, you don't see him. I mean, even Gabriel, you know, comes before the Blessed Mother. I mean, it's, look at he's saying, "Hail Mary, full of grace." You know, I, you know, I love the, the you know, the Botticelli's pictures. You know, that they're 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 in humility before the Blessed Mother. You know, that's very powerful. But uh, uh, this is a great verse here in Psalm ninety-two: "No evil shall befall you, no affliction." Uh, will come near your tent, for God commands the angels to guard you in all your ways. And that's where you get the idea of a guardian angel right straight from the text. And there are a number of other uh, places in Scripture and in the um, the stories where angels play an important role. Uh, again, we don't see them because, you know, they're very shy. <laughs> My father-in-law, uh, who has since passed, was in World War II, and he certainly credits his guardian angel for bringing him through the war and bringing him home safely. I'll so, bet. Yeah. I'll bet. And you know, I, I I say this: I'm not I'm not the best driver in the world. I know that. You know, and uh, knowing that the the fact that I'm still alive after driving so many miles in my life. Um, I attribute that to my guardian <laughs> angel as well. <laughs> Probably has twenty twenty eyesight. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Thank you. Our next question comes from Nick. Father, I have a very difficult time understanding what can be taken from the Bible as literal and what should be considered metaphor. Please give me some guidance here. Well, this is entering into a big field with a big scary word called hermeneutics. Okay, hermeneutics is how in the world do we interpret Scripture? And Scripture is very unique 
in all of religious writings, and it's unique because it is a combination of the historical, God breaks into time, literally breaks into time, and that this has been recorded for us to study, you know, on one hand, and uh, and yet there is a concreteness about Scripture because God breaks into history. On the other hand, everything that God does is so beyond our ability to comprehend. There is such deep spiritual, such a deep spiritual presence to everything that we have a tension in Scripture between what we might call the literal historical and the spiritual, because the spiritual is the allegorical, it's, it's, it's the metaphors that take us deeper into Scripture. So Scripture is not just written for us like we understand history today, and we study it um, as a literal thing. It is literal in the sense that things actually happen in history. But on the other hand, everything is uh, written in a highly stylized way to bring about a point. And, and so much symbolism is used to help us raise us up from the earth into sky, into heaven. A, a clear example of this would be in, in John, the Gospel of John, where you have Nicodemus, right? You know the story, don't you, Bob, that uh, he comes in from the night, and um, he, you know, and Jesus looks at him and says, uh, hey, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Okay? So he's thinking literally, so he's scratching his head, right? And Nicodemus says, Jesus, this is, this is hard for me, okay? How do I go back into my mother and be born again? And basically, Jesus slaps him up face and says, you know, you're a teacher in Israel, and you don't know these things. In other words, you don't know the symbolism of the Old Testament, uh, of a rebirth, okay? You don't understand, you know, water and spirit, even though this is back in your traditions and stuff. So, yeah, there, we, when we read the scripture, is historical, there's concreteness to it, so um, there are places where we say, it, it, we can literally believe this. When, you know, Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. There's no way around it. It's a divine pronouncement. We have to take it literally. You can't take it figuratively and and be honest to the text. On the other hand, um, when Jesus says, I'm the door of the sheep, you say, hmm, okay, what does this mean spiritually? You know, because obviously Jesus is not a door in the literal sense of the term. Right. Uh, And so it it, it is hard sometimes to separate the two. And that's why we have um, commentaries, and um, we have the church fathers who comment on these things. But but Bob, I, I come from a, um, a fundamentalist background, you know, and um, they're big on the literal interpretation of Scripture. But they could never be consistent with it. They, they really couldn't, okay? Especially when you get into the book of Revelation where you try to take it literally and you see all these – it tells you right up front. These are all symbols of something too deep for, you know, for a literal reading. And yet, you know, you do all sorts of gymnastics and acrobats. So you just have to learn to have a, a trained mind 
you know, and if you can't quite figure something out, go to those who are your teachers, uh, to the commentaries and where, what have you. Would you encourage Nick to uh, join a Bible study a group? I know you meet with a group of men on Saturday oh, yeah. mornings. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's such a good idea, Bob, because there's wisdom in a group of people whose minds come together. And I'm amazed at the insight I get. You know, I've been studying scriptures all my life. You know what I mean? And, and, and trained in, in scriptures, you know. And yet I come among the men. They often come up with things that is either new to me or something I haven't thought about for a long time. It says, wow, I needed to hear that. Well, we really appreciate your help with these questions from our parishioners, and we look forward to another time to get together with another set of questions. So we encourage our listeners to send in the questions to SJCC, and uh, we will see you soon. (laughs) Thanks, Bob. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks to our participants today on the SJCC Clergy Q&A Show. We want to invite our listeners to take part in the show by sending in questions to be answered. If you have a question you'd like to hear on the program, email it to wsjf at stjoseph.cc. That's wsjf at saintjoseph.cc with Q&A in the subject line. Or leave your name and question on our studio phone line at 443-920-9125. That number again is 443-920-9125. Thanks again for listening and for your support of WSJF 92.7 FM. We'll catch you next time on SJCC Clergy Q&A.